Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. I'm so glad you chose to join us. This is a special roundtable episode, and the topic today is making conscious and empowering choices. And our guests on the roundtable are Alea Dow and Rochelle McLaughlin. We're going to bring those two guests on in just a minute. But I just wanted to kind of put things in context a little bit. It's pretty easy to see that in a lot of ways humanity has kind of, get, has kind of got stood on its head. The world we knew just a few months ago has really kind of um, turned itself over, if you will. And there's a lot of people that um, are not sure about the future. They're not sure about their role in it. There's a lot of um, anxiety and threat and fear about the future. And what I really liked about putting this episode together is in the chaos of of the unknown in the in the environment of uh, not knowing what the future is going to present, there's always the power of the choice. We we have choices to make, even when we might have had a habit or a history of reacting with fear or reacting with doubt or uncertainty, we can change those reactions. We can break up the patterns of the past and allow a new opportunity, a new choice, a new vector, a new paradigm to be born. And certainly humanity is very hungry for a more authentic story about itself, a more authentic vision for our future. In the turmoil that we've seen in these past few weeks, there's uh, a lot of incongruency in our human behavior that perhaps was hidden from us, from our busyness, from the media paying attention to something else, from, from ourselves paying attention to something else. This whole idea of stopping your life and being quarantined in your own home, millions of people are, for the first time in maybe decades, slowing down themselves, their consciousness, their awareness, and and by slowing down a whole new um, realm or perspective of themselves has been born out of that. So as we step forward into the future in this moment and this moment and this moment, to really become conscious about what choices we're going to make today and tomorrow and ongoing is a very empowering stance to take. 
to become conscious, to become more conscious of the choices that we can make that empower us and the choices that we make that do not empower us. That in and of itself is is a very powerful conversation. And that's the that's the root of this round table discussion. So all right, all right. <laughs> Let's get to it. Um, again, the topic is making conscious and empowering choices. And again, our guest is Alea Dow and Rochelle McLaughlin. Let's, I'd like to introduce Alea now. She is an author, a sound healer, an energetic practitioner, minister in California, a doctor of oriental medicine, and a licensed acupuncturist in Colorado. She has been an alternative healer for over 25 years. You can learn more about her at aleadow.com. Please join me in welcoming Alea to the show. Welcome to the show, Alea. Thank you, Les. It's an honor and a joy to be here. We've had you on the show a couple of times, and it's so nice to have you back. Thank you. I'd like to also introduce Rochelle McLaughlin. She is a spiritual teacher, a life coach, an author, an inspirational speaker, and the publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. She is also a UMass Medical School certified mindfulness-based Stress Reduction Teacher, and you can learn more at RochelleMcLaughlin.com. Welcome to the show, Michelle. I'm sorry, Thank you Rochelle. so much. Oh, that's fun. Thank you, Les, so much for having me back on the show. It's an honor to be here. Well, we're all together now. So if we look at the topic, Making Conscious and Empowering Choices, I love this as a topic because we're talking about the human persona, the, the human variable in what, in what decides our future. Um, we've all been kind of turned on our heads, and in these last few weeks, we've, we've all, perhaps by... Um, um, conditions outside of our control, we've been kind of pushed into a, a chaotic storm of, of sorts. When we look at the notion of, of making con- conscious and empowering choices, what are some of the, what are some of the ways that um, we, can, we can fall short of honoring ourselves? Um, in, in other words, um, staying in the repetitive patterns of unconscious choices or the repetitive power uh the repetitive pattern of making choices that don't empower us um Alea, do you want to respond to that yeah it's really interesting i've been watching people um in my own private practice my own life and my my personal life people with friends family and how people have been experiencing this sheltering in and from my perspective, nothing happens overnight. 
we are literally feeling the ramifications of the choices that we've been making over the last decade, two decades. And people that have been making conscious, empowered choices, they actually are doing a lot better with the sheltering in. People that have made um, unconscious choices from needs, and and if we go deeper, which we will do as we dive deeper into this um, roundtable, but when we make unconscious choices that are from needs that we don't, we're not really present with, we end up making choices that aren't really supportive and really empowering. And so then being at home with self, being at home with all of the choices that you have made over the last decade, we're feeling it now. We have the first time perhaps in all of our lives an opportunity to feel the ramification of all of our choices. And that then enables us to have more awareness of the choices that we make. And then we're going to be diving deeper into how to make conscious choices that are really supportive and really empowering. Very nice. I like that. And Rochelle, what would you say to that? This is, it's such a great place to start, Les, because it really points to, you know, really looking at some of the roots, root causes of the choices that we make. And in, I've just had this extraordinary opportunity over the last, you know, over 10 years to teach mindfulness at a local university. And, you know, it was really quite shocking to sort of have, have it mirrored back to me. Uh, how we are, how we all sort of are living out uh, like systemic cultural patterns. And I think it's really important for us to really acknowledge this first, to know that like as we start to become aware of our own choices that we're making, that we're not like an individual cell of, you know, consciousness. We are deeply interwoven and interconnected with the systems in which we've all been raised in. And on many levels, they are very, um, you know, it's a destructive patriarchal dynamic that can perpetuate, uh, for example, for myself, I feel as though, and my experience has been that I was relentlessly taught to be nice, quiet, obedient, and to go along with the program. And on some level, when I started this work, I really thought, well, you know, I mean, I was very unaware of that in and of itself first, but having that sort of like um, mirrored back to me over the years by hundreds of people, I know that this is systemic and it actually exists in how we think and how we act and the choices that we make. And so if we're trained on some level to be obedient and to continue to, to, continue to uphold the status quo, uh, which we are witnessing is now crumbling and, you know, like the corruption is in our face, even though we've known that it's existed for a long time. But there is, like you said last so beautifully, is that there's so much opportunity right now that as things are crumbling, that we have an opportunity to shift and tilt things in the direction of sanity um, and to step off the treadmill just one step at a time, and we'll be going into that more deeply. But I feel like this is a great place to start the conversation is because we're not alone in this. We're all experiencing, uh, you know, having made or still making choices that, that disempower us. And there are many ways that we can reclaim that power. 
and every single moment is an opportunity. So this is such a powerful conversation, and I'm so, so grateful to be here and to be contributing. So thank you. Well, very nice. You know, the, there's kind of a, uh, a sacred cow mentality around the notion of um, being patriotic, of being um, um, loyal to your country. Uh, uh, here in America, it would be, you know, um, to be an American, you're, you've got the shoulder to the wheel, so to speak, and, and we're all walking in step. But, but yet the, the paradigm, the story we've been living out has some serious uh, incongruencies within it. How do you, how do you step out of the, the mindset of, quote, being a good citizen, unquote, when um, the impulse um, from within is perhaps launching a new dynamic for, the, for an individual, launching a new perspective on an individual level because if collectively we've kind of fallen off uh, the wagon, it's going, um, we have to break the patterns of the past that had living that had us living an incongruent life to begin with. So when we look at the, I guess you could call it programming. When we look at the collective programming of our past, how how can we? Um, have a more um, lucid look, a more um, insightful perception of some of the ways that the institutionalized attitude of being a good citizen was part of how we were being broken, so to speak. Rochelle, do you want to start off with this one? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, I think this is deep, you know, and and many layered and, you know, we could speak for hours on these concepts, but this is a great place to start. And, um, you know, I think that just naming that, like, you know, we, we're raised to be good citizens. And so what that has looked like is really contributing to so much suffering. It's unsustainable. Um, you know, we're pillaging the planet and it's heartbreaking. I think we're waking up to that on a collective level, which is, uh, you know, again, so much opportunity here because now, okay, that, that is, that whole narrative did not work. And, um, so now where do we go from here? And there are some very, you know, really great specific things that we can actually do that are really practical and it only it, it exists in the present moment. And part of the the old narrative is that we've lived in a very cognitive realm. So on some level, very intellectualized, very, it's very conceptual understanding of the world, very disconnected and disembodied. And a great example of this is, I'm sure you may have had a similar experience, is that I was raised behind, uh, you know, a desk day in and day out, our after hour, uh, in a, you know, behind walls, very disconnected from the planet, from the earth, uh, from my body. And that continues today for millions and millions of children. And um, so 
that's just one way that our culture really perpetuates, you know, a, a deep and enduring disembodiment, basically. So one way is to become, you know, to practice uh, practices of embodiment. And our breath is always right here in the present moment. And it seems very simple and insignificant, but it's not. It's actually deeply significant. Every single time that we arrive here in this moment, we arrive in our bodies, we are beginning a process of reclaiming the wisdom of our body. We're reclaiming a connection to our own inner resources, which my experience has been is, is really a connection of, to source uh, with a capital S to the divine feminine. And it, it affects every single thing I do, every choice that I make. And so I'll stop there because I'd love to hear uh, you, Les and Alea, and your feelings about this, but that's one great place to begin. And your thoughts, Beautiful. Um, I actually am witnessing the same thing that Rochelle has been talking about from a slightly different perspective. So I think about the Victorian, I mean, it goes back to Constantine, but um, if we think about the last few thousand years and our priorities and the Victorian model of shut the emotions down be the pleaser, be pleasant, be loyal to your country, be committed to your family, be committed to your country. We essentially have created victims within ourselves because anytime you place your loyalty outside yourself on another, now you're not being loyal to yourself. Now you're not being committed to yourself. Now you're looking for connection and support and safety externally. So, Anytime we give responsibility for a need away, we become the victim. And I think, I think what's happened is our world, our society, is from that stance of the victim mentality. And then the victim trying to recover tries to get really attached and focused on changing other people and controlling other people, and then we move into the judgment. And so that whole outer focus of what are other people doing instead of really focused on how can you as an individual meet your needs deep in your core and step back into your power. And then we have the ability to start making conscious choices because if we're victims, we're making all of our choices from that place of the victim. And so that very first step is recognizing that that Victorian culture that a lot of us have been raised in is all about meeting your needs externally. And, and Les, you were talking about, you know, how can you be a good citizen? How can you be a good countryman, countrywoman? Um, it's really about lifting your loyalty off of everyone in your life, off of your government, off of your country, and being most loyal to the light that flows within you. Lifting your commitment off of everyone and everything and being most committed to yourself. Because when you are most committed and, and loyal to your own self, you then have the capacity to be authentically loyal and committed to everything you do, but not from the place of the martyr, from that incredibly co-creative, powerful person that's holding a strong, coherent field. So those are just some of my thoughts of like why we are where we are right now. And, and if we don't understand why we are the way we are right now, because of all of these needs that we've been looking for externally, then there's no way that we can change it. And so step one is awareness, understanding the why, and then going, oh, I'm going to take responsibility for meeting my needs deep in my core. 
beautifully said. Well, you know, the, when we look for a paradigm, a new paradigm, a new direction to be birthed in the collective consciousness, it happens in a single human being. The notion of the Wright brothers in 1903, they're like, they have an inspiration that says, I think it might be possible to fly through the air. And here's an idea that is inspired within an individual, or in this case, two brothers. And that's the birthplace of new opportunity. So we were talking about the Victorian um, context where the input of an individual is really squelched. We are to behave, we are to fall into line, we are to not rock the boat. And the reason I bring up this conversation early in this roundtable is that um, in order for us to fulfill why we are here, if you're listening to this radio show now, chances are extremely good that you're here to break the old paradigms, to introduce a new model, a new dynamic, a new way of perceiving what is possible. And so we've talked about kind of the stigma the, the karmic momentum, if you will, of the collective consciousness. When we, when we go to talk about making conscious and empowering choices, we have to give ourselves permission to bring ideas that don't have anywhere to land in the collective, to bring in new ideas that might not resonate with anybody else on the planet and still recognize it as the spot-on idea or ideas that will literally answer the prayer of the human heart. It's going to be through our own human dynamic. Individuals tuning in and recognizing that there's an immense wisdom inside of us. And when we connect with that wisdom to honor it without hesitation or concern. <laughs> so so to, to take that bold step, if you're getting inspiration from within yourself, how do you how do you take that inspiration and bring it into effect? without worry or concern. I mean, how do you how do you vet? How do you weigh your the choices that you're making, the choices that you're taking action on? Alea, you wanna take a stab at that? Sure. So just kind of talking a little bit about um that whole Victorian model and needs. What comes to mind as you ask that question, Les, is to actually have everybody that's listening right now maybe take out a piece of paper and a pen and write down or just think in your mind about your top three priorities. What's really, really, really important to you from the place of needs? An example would be connection. Is connection really important to you? 
Is safety really important to you? Is support really important to you? Is integrity really important to you? What are your top three? Empowerment could be one. Creativity, the expression of your creative current. Freedom might be number one for you. And just take a moment to write down those top three needs that you have. What are your top three priorities in your life? And the way that you tune into like what are those top three is you feel into your heart and you feel into desire. So the idea of, oh, if my freedom was taken away, that would just be beyond. I couldn't even handle that. Okay, so that means freedom is, is up there in the top three. Or maybe it's safety. Like I have to have safety over everything. If I'm not safe, forget it. So feel into your heart, your desires, your desires, the greatest desire you have is showing you your top priorities. And then as you write those three top priorities down, start thinking about what you could do on a daily basis, just one act that you would make every single day that would honor and speak to those needs. So if my top need is for safety and connection, I would then take a deep breath in and I would feel the connection with the light that flows within me. And Rochelle was talking about the breath, that we always have the breath and we can use the breath to pull ourselves into this present moment. It's literally like inhaling yourself into this inner river of light. And then you are connecting with the light that flows within you. That means you are getting your top need. And then you start getting inspired because you're anchored in this deep, profound connection with your light. You get inspired to move from that incredibly connected place or from that free place. You're, you're, the focus is really on meeting the needs deep within with very specific qualities. So if freedom is your top priority, your top need, you would pull yourself in and you would feel this current of freedom flowing within you. And now you are meeting that need deep in your core and then you start making all of your choices from a place of freedom or from a place of safety or from a place of connection. Very nice. Well, I like, I like how you mentioned... Um, when when you've defined those elements, the top three elements, and then as you go throughout your day, you notice. And it's, mm-hmm. we don't change overnight, but when we shift our awareness, we we shift what we notice and therefore what we put our attention on. So, Rochelle, how, how would you add to that? I would say, like, this is that yes, to everything that you and Alaya have said, and I would add that anytime, you know, we are co-creating the world we long for with every choice that we make, and so we are, like, utterly powerful people, and it's and at the same time, because we're in this, uh, you know, we're tilting the world in the direction of what we want. So Alea was speaking to connection and freedom and safety. And so because this is, these are things that we're actually moving into, because they didn't exist on some level in our life, you know, in the past, there's going to be hesitation <clears throat> and concern 
and potentially fear and anxiety. And so a part of our practice is actually just fully putting the welcome mat out for our human experience, no matter what it is. So when we are become change agents, because we're making choices in a different direction than what we've done in the past, that's going to be scary. And going, you know, that's going against the status quo, uh, maybe speaking out about um, abuse in some way. And, and we've, we've all experienced abuse, you know, on the, on the level of this, the culture as it is right now and how things are, have evolved. Um, and so when, as we're shifting these dynamics, there's going to be fear, there's going to be anxiety, there's going to be concern. And so the first step really is just acknowledging that that reality, that that's going to be here with us as we move forward and create the world we long for. Uh, and then from that place of just recognizing that, okay, this is going to be a part of our landscape. And then how Alea was, was uh, suggesting. So we're really staying, it's like the rudder on our sailboat. As we feel the experience of, of what freedom would feel like in our body, what connection feels like in our body, every single moment that we begin to uh, step into that and it, it shifts how the choices that we make and we stay aligned with that, those inner uh, values and it literally alters everything. So we're, again, it's like the staying close to the, the, uh, our core values and every decision that we're making. Yes, there's going to be fear. There's going to be anxiety. And we're honoring that too, as a part of our human experience and then tending like the loving mother that most of us did not have. We're tending to our own tattered hearts moment to moment, uh, like that loving mother in so many ways that we can do that and that we can go into that as well, if that feels called for, but I think I'll stop there. Well, I tending to ourselves. I mean, because whenever you change your own personal dynamic, it brings in new elements and our ego kind of sucks at embracing elements where we don't know what the consequence is going to be. Our ego likes to know the outcome. And so um, tending to ourselves, nurturing ourselves, I would think would be a key element in being able to more fully embody a, a, a more authentic, a more empowered um, version or vision of ourselves. So. We've talked about um, about breathing. Um, what are some other um, things that we can do to nurture ourselves through this course of change? Um, Rochelle, what would you say to that? Yeah, so Alea pointed to that, which is to really identify what, your needs are. So again, you can begin to write down, you know, writing is a great way to sort of access this, uh, our needs. And, um, and then from this play, and it can look different for every single one of us, but it could be, you know, if you notice anxiety, um, so first it's just, you know, coming into your body. So bringing awareness to your body and, you know, honoring your human experience. It's very likely, um, 
you know, it's all here. So our whole full spectrum of human experience is, is always here. And can we put the welcome mat out for that? And for me, if I notice anxiety or overwhelm or fear or disconnection, and it's usually, you know, it, it uh, arrives as a sensation in my body. So it could feel kind of like a prickly heat. Um, or, you know, there might be tension. And so just for me, putting my hand on my heart in that moment and like the loving mother, you know, that we all need is to just extend the, the gestures of loving kindness towards ourselves and just um, acknowledging, you know, that we are suffering in that moment. And it can also mean, you know, getting a drink of water. It could mean putting on a soft comfortable sweater it could mean taking a bath it could be mean walking in nature uh, making sure we're getting enough rest making sure we that the our intimate relationships are also aligned with our values of connection radiance love freedom support and if not then we need to you know then the invitation <clears throat> is to then make tiny shifts step by step by step uh, in the direction of those values. And that may mean change. Of course, it may mean that change is going to happen and, and must happen. And that's going to be challenging. And so we need to uh, continue to develop this, this love and loving care for ourselves. Very nice. Um, so, Leah, what tips would you have for us to nurture ourselves along the journey of transformation? I love all that Rochelle said and um, really focusing in and honing in on what we can do to change. And Rochelle, when you said, um, you kind of laugh like it is going to require change, right? Um, courage, right? We have to have courage. And a lot of the times we don't make the, the changes is because we haven't cultivated the courage. And a lot of the times um, people will actually use I call it the pain, suffering, pummel, machine, treadmill to cultivate courage. Now, there is another way to cultivate courage so that we can embrace the change, and that is to imagine that you have a little dial, and, um, and it's the courage dial. So if you think, oh, I really want to do dot, dot, dot. I really want to change this particular behavior. I really want to change a particular aspect of my life. Oh, I haven't done it. Oh, I've really wanted to do this for years and years, and I still haven't done it. Hmm. Maybe just for the next two weeks, every single morning or every night when you go to bed, imagine your courage dial. And instead of being in the, the self-critic of like, oh, I don't have any courage because I don't make changes, just imagine cranking up your courage dial. I'm not going to use pain and suffering to crank up the courage. I'm just going to use my dial. And so some part of you energetically, deep in your core, is increasing the courage, increasing the courage every single day. Maybe you do it for a month. Maybe you do it for 90 days, and that's the only thing you focus on is more courage, more courage, crank up the courage dial. How could I have courage in this moment? And when you bring your awareness to increasing the courage, then you literally start to vibrationally resonate with more courage. You could also ask your guides, your team to encircle you and hold courage inside themselves. Then you get positively, empathically, dimensionally impacted by their courage. Then you start holding more courage inside yourself. So then once you've gotten to a certain level of courage, then the idea of making changes isn't as scary. It might not be scary at all. You can't wait to leap into the change. 
And so when you make changes, start identifying the unhealthy behavior that is not tending to you. So Les was talking about how can we give more self-care. Well, it's really easy to see the discordant ways of being, unhealthy behaviors, discordant aspects of your life. And then, so step one is just awareness of, oh, I have this behavior that's not so healthy, that's not really um, self-care. I have this aspect of my life, a particular relationship, perhaps that's not very loving, not a lot of self-care there, or self-love. And then ask yourself, step two, is to actually ask yourself, from a positive perspective, how is this unhealthy behavior serving you? Which is kind of radical, right? We're being the heretic. We're breaking the old paradigms. We are looking at this unhealthy behavior and going, how is eating a whole package of cookies somehow good? (laughs) How is snapping at my child somehow good? How is not cleaning my house for months at a time and being a hoarder somehow good? What is the good thing that is happening from that? Oh, well, I feel comfort, or I feel safe, or I somehow feel supported, or I somehow feel empowered. So then you're looking at it from a positive perspective, and you're identifying the positive need that you do have. And then we get to go to step three. How could I actually get that need met in a more empowering way? in a way that is all about self-love, self-care, and self-love. might have said self-love twice, but that's okay. So start mm-hmm. thinking about, okay, if I need to be comforted by that whole package of cookies, oh, that means I want comfort. Okay, what else could I do in my life that would be really comforting? And then the more we bring in the more, the more comforting behavior, like taking the bath or going for the walk, or taking a deep breath in, or making a beautiful yummy soup, or listening to gorgeous music, or playing some incense, or going and getting a massage when shelter is over. Um, by, By putting more of those behaviors into your life, you start to feel more soothed, more soothed, more soothed. And then the behavior of eating the entire package of cookies goes away because we typically don't do with, we don't do well with elimination. We want to put more good in, and then that which is discordant falls away. So that would be a really great practice to, again, write down maybe two or three discordant, unhealthy behaviors. Ask yourself, what's the good that comes from this? How how do I feel that is good with the behavior, after the behavior, maybe during the behavior? And then how could I start being in behavior, making choices that get my needs met, in a healthier way. And then the other layer, another practice, is to recognize that anytime you go into self-critic, you're not in self-love, you're not in self-care. And the self-critic is a really interesting energy because it's got a lot of creative energy. I have a sweet, lovely person in my life who's super critical. And from a place of compassion, I recognize that that person doesn't have a lot of creative um, outlets. They don't have places where they let their creativity uh, swell and express themselves. They're, they don't play music. They're not an artist. They don't have a lot of projects. And so they literally have to take all of this creative energy, and when we're not in the creative expression with our creative energy, it turns on us and becomes discordant. 
which means we become more critical. And so feel into the idea of if you've got a really strong self-critic, take up something in your life that can be the expression of your creative energy and the self-critic quiet because your creative energy is not turning on you anymore. Also, unhealthy behavior starts to go away because unhealthy behavior also comes from inappropriately channeled creative or, or creative energy that's not being channeled in a conscious way. Well, very well said. It's uh, that that critical mind could could mess up <laughs> anything. Um, it, it's like if a critic's criticizing you, it probably means that they haven't created anything of their own accord. <laughs> now we've been by intent. We've been kind of looking at the the. I want to say status quo, but something says there's an element missing there. But the what the norm has been for the collective, and we've talked about um, perhaps institutionalized um, surrender um, or disconnect from following all the quote rules unquote of the collective that really didn't empower anybody to do anything. So I'm. I'm going to suggest we take a step back and flip everything on its head. I love, love, love turning stuff over and and looking at the polar opposite. So you're driving around town and and uh, perhaps you see a homeless person. Uh, here's a woman on a street corner panhandling for some coin. And there's this notion of being powerless where you yourself have no sense of personal power, and the elements outside of you dictate 100% of what, quote, happens to you, unquote. So now I want to take that idea, and the reason I use that idea is we've been talking about the Victorian or the institutionalized um, powering down of the everyday citizen where we, we fall into line, we walk in step, and no inspiration, no new dynamic. We're, we're basically offline of our potential. And I want to flip that over. So we've talked about courage. So imagine the courage of Joan of Arc as a teenager leading an army into battle where even the men, the patriarch, um, wisdom are saying, how the hell are we going to solve this problem? And this teenage woman walks up and says, get the hell out of my way, where's my horse? And and take that dynamic and add to it the visionary of perhaps Cleopatra that stands on the, veran the, the veranda and l looks out and says, I can feed Rome. The wheat of Egypt will feed Rome. The vision of that persona looking at the dynamic of the entire globe and capturing the inspiration that will um, feed a nation. And then one other element, Mary Magdalene, hanging with Jesus, walking around embodying unconditional love for all that is. If we look at the the elements of that kind, those kind of archetypes all rolled together as one, we don't really see.
see, I mean, I've just talked about three people from our from our history, from our mythology, but now today, collectively, um, I think humanity is asking for a birth of that archetype, that powerful individual human persona that that it's not power in the dominance of something else. It's not power in the sense of control, but it's extremely powerful in the vision. It's extremely powerful in um, having the courage to know that this big ass vision that your your soul is showing you is spot on, even though there's nothing in your past that resonates with it. Um, We've talked about where we are, so to speak, but as we move into this new dynamic and we talk about making conscious and empowering choices, there's a whole lot of range here for us to grow ourselves. There's, a, there's an opportunity for people to just shatter the old paradigms of what a single individual persona can be. So let's approach this perhaps in this first step. Um, how do we recognize choices that in the past we were not even aware of? How do we recognize um, new tangents, new, new vectors, new um, um, arenas or, or genres of, of our personality that we can empower to dynamically change ourselves as far as um, transforming who we've been from the past, making that, making a, a bigger jump of saying yes to that wisdom within us. Um, Alea, do you want to comment on that? Sure. Yeah. So to be your own Joan of Arc, regardless of the sex, right? To be somebody who is very radical and, transformative in this time that the world is when we're in chaos it is a perfect time to change this is the the most lovely moment that so many people have actually been waiting for because there's so many changes that we've been wanting to make for 2,000 years and so when a, a world is in chaos it is a perfect time to implement new ways of being and to make those changes in a more sustainable healthy way and so one of the ways that you can find your role in how can I be the Mary Magdalene, the Joan of Arc, the totally revolutionary, inspirational person that has a huge impact in making positive changes in the world, you ask yourself, what is your mastery? Anybody listening, there is an aspect of you that has been waiting to come to this world and to implement the changes that we all can feel in our own hearts of wanting the world to be a more peaceful, conscious, awakened place. And so when you bring your awareness inside, you ask yourself, what have you been cultivating inside yourself? What is your mastery? And a lot of the times it's like, well, just asking that question isn't going to immediately bring you into the awareness of that. I, I really focus on qualities and, and needs. And so when you think about what you value, do you value integrity? Do you value purity? 
Do you value freedom? Do you value personal responsibility? Do you value empowerment? What is it that you value more than anything? I really value peace. And so when I think about what I value, that peace, oh, I have mastery of peace to a certain degree. And so that means that I could model that as I walk in the world. So whatever quality it is that you value the most, that means that you actually have mastery of that quality inside yourself. And what's being asked of you right now is for you to embody it deep in your core, not want it for others, because others don't have this mastery. You might have spent God knows how long, how many lifetimes, if you believe in multiple (laughs) lifetimes, cultivating this very particular quality inside yourself. And when we're moving into a co-creative way of serving and um, we're moving out of the codependent because for the last 2,000 years or so, we've been in a very, very, probably more like 6,000 years, we've been in a very codependent culture. And so when we want to move to a co-creative culture, which means you are holding a strong, coherent field, you are only attached and responsible for holding your mastery inside yourself. You're never wanting it for another. Then you don't take responsibility for another person getting it. Because the moment we want another person to be peaceful or we want another person to be free or we want another person to be in integrity, we drop our energy fields of coherence from 100 to zero. And so the more we're attached and only wanting to stand in our own mastery, hold compassion, model the solution, we begin to positively, empathically impact hundreds of thousands of people in our world. So that is um, one way that we could start tuning into being the, the Joan of Arc, the Mary Magdalene, the revolutionary individual that creates a positive ripple in the world. Very nice. I like that. And Rochelle? Yeah, wow, there's so much to um to speak to here. Thank you. It was it's really powerful stuff. So for me making this really practical for uh, myself, it's you know, as as I'm teaching mindfulness all of these years and being a student of it and I will for the rest of my life is uh Elias has spoken, you know, to awareness and and just having this embodied experience of all this and so it becomes very practical that we can actually integrate this work in our in our everyday lives in every single moment. So that as we arrive in our body, we can actually stay very attuned and aligned to what it is we want for our world. What do we want to co create? And so we become an embodied expression of this. Um you were speaking to courage uh, a little bit ago and, you know, just having done a lot of research in neuroplasticity and um, like how we hold ourselves. So if you think about when we, when we get, when we become afraid, we want to crawl up in a ball in a corner of a room. And so there's an embodied expression of fear and anxiety and that, that is one uh, manifestation of that. So when we look at like, okay, well, what's the opposite of that? What, and what do we want as we move into, um, the world that we're longing for, and that's this, this courageous archetype. Well, what does that look like in our body? Well, you think about these, you know, thousands years old uh, poses of yoga where, um, you know, you think of the mountain pose where the, you stand and you, um, you can bring your arms up and out to the sky and opening them them up wide with the palms facing the sun and you feel your feet on the floor planted to the earth and you have this embodied experience of 
of strength and power. You can do this at any moment. And in fact, uh, Stanford had just released some recent studies that show that if we engage in movements like this, like the warrior pose of yoga, um, or again, mountain pose, or in meditation, we sit in a tall, dignified, seated posture, and we allow that sense of, you know, of dignity and integrity to become an embodied experience, so that when we engage in our everyday lives, and something makes us feel small and oppressed, and we want to go crawl up in a ball, we know it, and we can actually shift the dynamic, and then you know, go into our room, or if you're at work and you're in a bath, you can go wash your hands or whatever it is, go and stand in a warrior pose for a few moments. And we know that it actually shifts our neuroplasticity for courage, for strength, for groundedness, for stability. So our body is that is like a tool. It's a part of this work that we can actually shift the dynamics and physically represent all of those beautiful archetypes that you're speaking to. Um, and for my culture, part of my Northern European ancestry, because a part of what you're speaking to is all ancestral healing, uh, to recognize that we've all been colonized and that we can move into um, expressions of a powerful force of change and co-creation. Um, and so, yeah, my lineage, we have, you know, the Kaliak and Bhattaka. And so for anyone listening to do some research in your own lineage and who are those powerful feminine role models of, uh, you know, the divine feminine that you can actually begin to express and feel that in your body as you go about and create change in your own life moment by moment. Uh, Well, I like that. You mentioned the embodiment, the, uh, I mean, just my two bits worth. Uh, My soul shows me this really big-ass vision for my life. And this small-town kid from Utah is like, what the crap? You got the wrong postal address. Who am I to do that? And um, the the notion, uh, I mean, it'd be easy for me to discount it because I I don't – understand the whole journey to transform my persona into the outcome that I'm being shown. But the embodiment, um, um, I always approach things from an energetic point of view. So imagine you want to have a more loving relationship with your spouse or more loving relationships in general and you're carrying a a shit ton of anger in your psyche. And so you you pray or set an intention to be more loving. And in order to be more loving, you need to kind of face the anger that you've been ignoring. And so when I look at the vision of my life and I think of the vibrational equivalence of me arriving at that vision, So you can imagine yourself, um, I'll just use really generic archetypes, a king or a queen who has completely been able to manifest a very big vision. The the vibrational equivalence of what does a, a noble king or a queen feel like energetically? What does a, a noble... Um, insert your life vision here, persona, 
feel like. And so when I get up in the morning, I don't. It, it's okay for me to not know the whole path, but I have this vibrational postcard. I have this vibrational equivalence in my mind, in my energy. And as I bump up against things during my day, it's like um, you're going you're gonna to buy yourself a blue pickup truck, a blue pickup truck. And as soon as you make that decision, what do you start noticing as you drive around your day? Blue pickup trucks. When I hold the vibration of this big-ass thing that um, is in the queue for me to fulfill, as I bump into things during the day, I get a, a vibrational equivalence that is in resonance with that vision being fulfilled, and then I can put more attention on whatever that element is. So it's kind of a energetic uh, vetting process of what to pay attention to, if that makes sense. Well, you know, so let's daydream some more. What the hell? What if uh, um, we fast forward 5,000 years and Jesus promised us, well, get off your ass. You're going to do everything I've, I've done and more. You know, everything I'm talking about here is within your own potential. If there were, you know, 100 million Jesuses on the planet, nobody would blink an eye about the notion of a miracle, the notion of a human persona kind of turning the old dynamic on its head and just in real time transforming the environment over and over and over again all day long with a sense of grace, with a sense of ease. So the question I would pose is how do we how do we move from where we are to, to find the places where we give our power away, where we don't pay attention to what will serve us? How do we move from where we are in an in intentional way as we go throughout our day? Um, Rochelle, you want to start with that? I would love to. For me, the most profound practice has been mindfulness and building awareness which is so they're this they're synonymous it's really building awareness of my uh my mind and my body and so that you know like alaya was speaking to like awareness is really the key like because then we can notice when we're becoming self-critical and that keeps us small keeps us on the treadmill um Awareness is is liberative, uh, you know, as we begin to build it in our lives. We know that every single moment that we're practicing uh, being present in the present moment, because this is the only moment in which we have to live, to grow, to learn, to make choices, and to change. And so the more I arrive here with my awareness and my attention and with this with a sense of gentleness and loving kindness and self-compassion – the more I am like focusing my energy on what I want, what I long for, what is called for now. And it also, this is the only moment in which the earth, that I can come in contact with the earth, with the trees, with the elements, um, 
And so I can sense into a profound interrelatedness and entanglement with everything else so that every single choice that I make on some level has everything else in consideration so that the choices become more and more sustainable in the sense that I, the choices that I'm making are from a place of connection with the whole world so that I'm not just an individual cell trying to get my own needs met so that, um, you know, I get to live that vibrant life that, you know, that I know I, I deserve. It's not just that. It's also that I am aligned with, with this co-creative force and that I am a contributor of this new world um, that I want to bring into being. And I appreciate, you know, just, you know, the archetypes and developing courage and also that, you know, developing more loving relationships. And at the same time, many of us may find ourselves in relationships that are not loving. And so we, we have to shift those dynamics and this is hard work and it can, you know, bring up um, difficult feelings. And so a really important part of that, of this work then is to really acknowledge and honor our human experience so that we can uh, shift and make changes that are meaningful and lasting. Well, very nice. Beautiful. And Alea? Yeah, that as as Rochelle was talking and Les, as you were asking the question, I kept hearing the words, what is our inner world? And then also, too, how are we using our position in the physical dimension to make the changes that our soul is really yearning and wanting for, which then ripples and reflects through all dimensions? And in my practice, my, my angle is as an energetic practitioner these days. 20 years ago, it was an acupuncturist, but now it's really focusing on on how how are we inside ourselves? What are our energetic fields doing? How can we use other dimensions to create a better world for ourselves and for others? And as Rochelle was talking about, there are a lot of people that are in relationships and have a particular paradigm right now in the physical dimension that are not harmonic, that are not balanced, that are not healthy. And our focus can often be on what is happening in the outer world how somebody is treating you, what kind of car you drive, is it the blue truck, Um, what does your home look like, what does your job look like, what does your bank account balance. And that can take our focus outside ourselves, which then decreases our ability to have self-awareness. And so I'm all about the how as well of what is your inner world and Every single day, you could do a little check-in of what's going on deep in my core and how could I start holding my focus and my creative energy and my vitality, my creative current inside myself, creating a lovely inner world. Because if we don't have a lovely inner world, we are not going to have a lovely outer world. And one of the reasons that the world is so dysfunctional is because the inner world that is dysfunctional has been reflected externally and it gets reflected onto relationships. So if you think, oh, I need to get out of this relationship or I have to change my job, well, explore the idea of just taking the next 90 days or six months or year 
to just shift the inner world and not focus on the outer world and not focus on the outer relationships. Because what starts to happen within actually two to three days of you starting to tend yourself with more love and more care, of you amplifying really soothing qualities inside yourself, your inner world gets more and more lovely. And then your relationships begin to reflect to you your lovely inner world. I have totally turned relationships around in within three days of somebody is being mean and nasty and disrespectful, and I ask myself, wait, where am I being really critical of myself? Where am I not deeply respecting myself? And as soon as I shifted that paradigm inside myself within a few hours, that person actually started being more respectful to me because they were reflecting to me how I respect myself. And so feel into the idea that our world is literally the surface of the mirror. And when we shift what we're holding inside ourselves, it then begins to reflect into our outer world, into our relationships, onto our bank account, onto our jobs, onto all of our interactions with everyone. And then it's also taking the power back because you're not giving your power away to, oh, if I was in a different situation in my outer world and I had the blue truck and I had the perfect relationship, then <laughs> then I'd be happy. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. So really start holding the focus of how can you shift your inner world, which then begins to create this incredible ripple and reflection in, the, in our outer world. Wow. Very beautiful. I like it. Well, um, so there, there's a shadow side to growth. I mean, there's a shadow side to every polarity. If, if we... Uh, if we start uh, um, lockstepping into our the vision of of who we think we need to be, and we we kind of push down um, unresolved feelings, worries, concerns. Um, there's a term called spiritual bypassing where um, you just want a little glow-in-the-dark wand, you're praying it on your head, and poof, you become enlightened, and, and there you are, you've arrived. But there's a, there's a transformation of yourself that happens as you go through the process. We're here for the human experience. No, no sage has waved a wand and turned the slums into palaces. It's through this human vehicle. So... Um, Believe it or not, there's only like 20 minutes left in the show, but I want to talk about bringing the wholeness of yourself in this journey because if we try to spiritually bypass some of the growth steps, some of the elements of transform, transforming ourselves, if we avoid or try to sidestep part of the, the process, um, we can we can actually create a a false sense of accomplishment, if you will. So to look at the whole persona, the the whole sense of self, as we engage this process of change, how do we we bring our um, wholeness? Um, um, more completely into form, if that makes sense. Halea, do you want to start with that? Yeah. I'm pondering it. 
Are you sure? Um, <laughs> no, no. So there's there's a couple uh, thoughts, and one of them is using other dimensions to awaken, and then there's an image too of of the mountain. And so the shadow side of awakening, of change, of enlightenment is the first concept that I want to introduce is to not go too fast. And imagine that enlightenment or the journey of awakening is a 33,000 foot mountain. And the question is, how are you on the mountain? Are you trying to stretch into an elevation that you're not yet calibrated for, that you're not ready to handle. And then you start processing karma and challenges that you haven't been trained to handle. And you might even try to be using gear that you're not ready for. And so in the analogy of of hiking a mountain, if I'm at 15,000 feet on the mountain, I don't want to be stretching up to 18,000 feet because that makes for a really bumpy ride. Or if I'm at 10,000 feet on the mountain, but I think I'm only at 6,000, then I'm going to use gear at 6,000 when I really need to be using my gear for 10,000. Or if I'm hiking the mountain and I'm trying to pull everybody up the mountain and tell them where to go, then I trip and stumble and then I reach down and I move outside my zone. And so when we're in our journey of our own spiritual growth, our own awakening, our own enlightenment, the stance is how can you embrace exactly where you are, meaning how could you make your your inner world even more lovely and receive all of the gifts that you've cultivated over lifetimes. And then what happens is those gifts that you have inside yourself, the freedom or the strength or the integrity, they start to support you. And they start to propel you up the mountain in a gentle, graceful way. You never get spiritually derailed and you never spiritually derail another because you're not pulling anybody up the mountain. You're not attached to how other people are climbing the mountain. You've got your focus on your own two feet. And you are then modeling a really beautiful way of walking up the mountain. And then there's that old piece about grace, too, of, okay, so now I'm on a five, nine, mountain rock climbing move or I'm on an overhang and how can I have grace in my moment of struggle or challenge as opposed to fighting it, pushing it, wanting it to change. And so in our lives, we go through these moments of challenge. And the question is, how can you hold yourself in a state of grace in every process as you climb the mountain? Because the ascension process is a lot more graceful and easy with that. And then the other component that I want to speak to is that people are so focused on what they manifest in the physical dimension, but explore the idea that our position in the physical dimension is actually to make requests for those in other dimensions that we may have forgotten about, but we deeply love in our hearts, for them to instantaneously manifest whatever it is they desire. So it's not so much about manifesting in the physical dimension. It's about using our position in the physical dimension to make a request for instantaneous manifestation in another dimension for other beings. As those beings move into a more connected state, a more supported state, a more empowered state, a more joyful, loving state, their consciousness awakens more. They become more self-actualized because we're witnessing them in that higher realm. And that higher level of consciousness that's now being held in another dimension begins to ripple and reflect into this one. Because from my perspective, the physical dimension is a reflection of multiple dimensions. So using your position to make requests for those on the other side or in other dimensions to move into more coherent, connected, calm, 
empowered ways of being, which then begins to ripple and reflect and shift the consciousness of humanity. Oh, beautiful. I like that. And Rochelle? Yeah, that was beautiful. Uh, So as far as, like, wholeness and accessing that, again, it exists right here in the present moment. So these are practices. Like, these are lifelong practices because we've been told in, in many millions of ways in our lifetimes that we are not whole, that we're not okay. And so there's all kinds of self-limiting beliefs and uh, that keep us, again, keep us small and going along with the program. So a really powerful part of this work and making empowered choices is just what you said, Les and Alea, which is really uh, recognizing our own wholeness, like completely as we are in this moment, that we're not needing to, uh, that's, uh, in the lineage that I'm trained in, that's what healing is, is actually arriving here fully and acknowledging our human experience and the full range of human experience and practicing that as, you know, as a daily practice of, of, um, you know, that we are whole completely as we are. And then from that place of acknowledgement and honoring our own human experience, and we can move into making more empowered choices for ourselves. And I did want to mention that, you know, as we're doing this inner work, um, that yes, this that's like the powerful way to make shifts and changes in our life. And at the same time, recognizing that there are people, you know, in our lives, either whether that be intimate relationships or otherwise, that do not have our best interest at heart. And we can, it's sort of on the macro level, as we're seeing, it's like in our face with the corruption and whatnot that's happening all over. Um, but we can see this even in our personal lives. And a part of our healing is to actually... Uh, and I see this as like the fruit of one of the fruits of of what we're witnessing on this like you know neoliberal capitalist pers- uh, picture that is literally in our faces. That okay, well, where does that dynamic live in our lives? And that we can be pretty explicit about actually making choices that that take down those oppressive structures. And that includes if there are abusive dynamics in our interpersonal relationships that we actually need to and can uphold healthy boundaries around that and now. Um, And so we don't need to like wait to do inner, a bunch of inner work to take care of, of those abusive dynamics. Like we can do that now. And in some cases it needs to happen now. Um, And so, you know, because we, yeah, we can kind of spiritual bypass and what that means to me is, you know, use spirituality as a way to, um, again, go along with the program and, you know, stay in abusive dynamics, whether that be interpersonal or more, um, you know, global, more macro level dynamics. And we're being called to dismantle it at every level. And there's a million ways to do it. So it's an exciting time that we're living in because there's so many ways to do this work and it can be, you know, so incredibly healing um, individually as we, you know, attune to this present moment and into, you know, just acknowledging our whole human experience, include all the pain and the joy and the grief, the wonder and the awe, the awe, it's all here. 
for us to, to tune into, and this is our life, and we can reclaim it. And it's so powerful and uh, liberating, and it's such a gift. Um, Les, can I jump in for a second? Please, yes. Um, I love, Rochelle, what you're talking about because it, it brings to mind that whole concept of um, the emotions and the pain and the grief and the frustration and the inspiration and the desire to, to make the changes in the world. And I think one of, uh, uh, one of the major practices that we can add into that whole process that you were speaking to is to really embrace our emotions and the emotions of another, recognizing emotions are a primary mechanism the body is using to go through an evolutionary maturation development process. And when we suppress or we think, oh, it's, it's bad that I'm sad or it's bad that I'm depressed or it's bad that I'm angry, what we're essentially doing is we're saying to the body, body, don't evolve. Don't use this wave of energy, energy in motion, emotion, to literally change your chemistry for a different reality. And so the more we embrace our own emotions and hold a safe space for other people to feel however they need to feel, recognizing it's a developmental process that creates change in our life, the better off we'll be. So not suppressing the emotions, letting the body ride those waves of emotion, and then the consciousness changes of the physical human form. Bravo. I, I had thought about bringing emotions in the conversation. It's such a, I'm, I'm so, I'm so delighted that um, you did just that because emotions it, it can really paralyze us when we, when we shut them down and start ignoring them. Well, time can really yeah, fly when body, you're... It can cause body pain, body pain too. Oh, you bet. Without uh-huh. doubt. Um, okay, ladies, it's time to shine your own light. I want you to share with the audience your services, how the audience can connect with you. I mean, dr- take the time and draw the whole scene of of your platform and what you have to offer. Can we start with Alea? Sure. Um, so since 2009, I've actually been tuning into the energy that comes onto the planet every day, and I record a seven-minute audio meditation with sound healing and energetic protocols and deliver it um, to subscribers all over the world with the app Cups of Consciousness and also via email. So they are daily meditations that you could get that would help you tune into the energetic weather and use the, other, the weather that's coming onto the planet to accelerate support a gentle evolution and awakening process and also to to use the challenges in your life as fuel for growth and evolution and then the changes tra- the challenges transform and also every 3 weeks I do a an hour long energetic balancing on Zoom a live video stream and I've been doing that since 2011 they're called the tall cups of consciousness and they usually happen Monday evenings at 7 o'clock Pacific. I have a book called Seven Cups of Consciousness that talks about the seven concepts that I use in the daily meditations, the tall cups, and my private practice. And I just started doing a – it's a small group of 20 people of a, a group healing every two weeks. And so you join in via Zoom 
and it's a small community where we look at energetic challenges, energetic practices, energetic solutions, using your energetic fields to transform your life. So the Daily Cups, the Tall Cups, the Energetic Support Sessions, my book, Seven Cups of Consciousness. And then once you've been a subscriber for Daily Cups, Tall Cups, or read my book, then I do work with people one-on-one energetic sessions, basically an intuitive energetic consultant to help you shift you. And my website, aleyadao.com. Yeah, A-L-E-Y-A-D-A-O.com. Or you can also check it out on Cups of Consciousness. And then I also have a YouTube channel. I think I have like 100 different videos on YouTube. Alea Dow 11, A-L-E-Y-A-D-A-O-1-1, YouTube, and aleadow.com. And Les, it's been such a treat and an honor to be on your show today. Well, we're not done yet. Um, hold that thought, though. <laughs> I'll copy-paste okay. it. <laughs> okay, Rochelle. Um, it, um, can you share with our audience your platform? Absolutely. So that's at my website, RochelleMcLaughlin.com. I have a course. It's Ways of the Rising Woman course with a beautiful community of inspiring women that you can join. And I have developed Manifesting Power and Purpose card deck which is um, the intention is to empower modern women with sacred wisdom. And this work is at the intersection of embodiment, sacred ways, and self-healing. And I have a free Zoom call tomorrow night at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And you can log on to my website. Again, that's RochelleMcLaughlin.com and subscribe to my newsletter. And I can give you the Zoom link for that. There's also a free download on my website called Rooted with Clarity. So this is about, you know, getting, um, you know, accessing our inner resources and our inner wisdom and grounding ourselves in the present moment and uh, developing clarity as we move into our lives uh, and co-creating the world that we long for. I also have several free mindfulness programs coming up at ncest.org and, um, that's for healthcare practitioners and parents with children with special needs and just for the general population that has anxiety and overwhelm in these times. And then I'm also, I have a certificate program at San Jose State University uh, in applied mindfulness. And um, again, yeah, so delighted to be here. I also do one-on-one consultations and all of that can be found on my website. It's RochelleMcLaughlin.com. I'm going to ask you to spell your website. Oh sure, it's it, Rochelle is R O C H E L L E, McLaughlin is M C L A U G H L I N dot com. Beautiful, and I'm going to chime in my two bits worth. Um, I created the New Human Living Platform as uh, a vehicle for you to discover the power of your own divinity, and that power is always anchored in love your ability to embody love within your own persona. I've written a couple of books. I'll mention Susan King, The New Age of Power, talks about sovereignty and dominion over your own life. You're here to be a powerful person. And that book helps teach your ego how to get get out of the way of your power. And Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior, is to heal your relationship with your divinity. And NewHumanLiving.com and New Human Living Radio, which you're listening to right now, have uh, 
um, just hundreds of episodes of, of interviews with very powerful people, very much like this conversation. And uh, so I want to thank our audience for joining us today because you showed up for yourself. You're here now. You chose to engage in a, in a program that is intended to help you make more conscious and empowering choices. So it's amazing how time can fly when you're having fun. So let's uh, open it up to closing comments, closing thoughts. Um, um, just round out the episode, if you will, and let's start with Alea. I would say to really feel into what is one thing you could do every day that moves your life forward so that in five years or ten years you're living your highest potential, your greatest happiness, your greatest service in a healthy co-creative way. What is one thing you could do every single day that moves you forward in that direction? I think that with our culture and our world, we take on too much. We bite off more than we can chew and then we don't move forward. We don't make the changes. So one little thing you can do every day. And then the other piece is to really start tuning in every day to something that you really value, that you have mastery of inside yourself, which then moves you into a state of greater self-love. Then you start to hold a higher vibration. You start to be more loving with everyone in your life, but especially yourself. And that begins to ripple into the world and positively impact our planet and everyone on it in a mouse in the most powerful way. Oh, beautiful. I like that. And Rochelle, do you want to share any closing thoughts? I would say that this present moment is the only moment that we get and that the more we can attune to it, to we can use the breath, or the body, the sensations of the body, we can use, you know, um, just orient ourselves to nature around us and just sense into our deep and profound interconnectedness that is the reality. And to, like, rely on that and settle into that as a source of strength and groundedness and power. And to recognize that our ancestors are here in every single cell of our body, that they're here with us to support us and reconnecting ourselves to that source of support is another well of deep healing and strength that we can connect to. And also, I would say the self-love. So just every time we arrive here, just extending kindness and care and self-compassion in every single way that we can as we move forward in these really these challenging and uncertain times when so much is at stake and the only time we have to learn and grow is right here and now and our body is right here with us and so we can extend that love and care to ourselves in every single moment that we have to be alive that this we are mortal human beings and it's just isn't going to last forever so to whatever degree we're able to to tune into this right now taste your breath uh taste your body taste you know what it feels like to be alive it's an extraordinary nourishing practice that can fuel our 
uh, longings for what we want to bring into the world and what we want to co-create. Well, very nice. I like that. Uh, I would say the the human persona is the vehicle of change. The um, no deity or being is going to circumvent our wishes and desires for ourselves. So you, the listener, all of us, we are literally the way the change will happen. And whether that happens at a fast, uh, I don't want to say fast because that implies that it needs to happen fast. Whether it happens at a small scale or a large scale is is totally up to us. And this this whole conversation has been anchored around the notion of how to bring about change and staying grounded and honoring yourself and nurturing yourself. The uh, When your hunger soul show you a vision for your life that's just over the top, it's not a mistake. It's a stepping stone. When you accomplish the vision that your heart and your soul shows you, there's always another ch- uh, step, another chapter, another possibility. So you only have to take your whole life to accomplish one dream. It, you can evolve over and over and over again without end. So, again, I applaud our audience for joining yourself by joining us. And I want to thank you two ladies for such a wonderful episode. It's been such a pleasure. Trust in your role. Trust in your purpose. The, the Your life purpose is where you're going to find the deepest sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. And uh, ladies, if you can just join me in saying goodbye to the audience, I'll, um, thanks for listening. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Les. It was a real honor to be here with you. And Alea, thank you. Rochelle, thank you so much. It was great connecting with you and sharing different concepts. Um, Brilliant. And Les, thank you for holding the container. My pleasure. Um, And that wraps it up for this episode. Until next time, I want to thank you for listening. I'm your host, Les Jensen. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.